Going Linux episode 449, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Phil. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, you can email us at goinglinux at gmail.com. And you can send us a voicemail by phone by dialing 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hey, Bill, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Larry? I am doing very well. So, um, I hear you're experimenting around with a few things on Linux I uh, am. Big, big surprise there. Uh, <laughs> what's going on? So I, you know, I've run Manjaro for a while and I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, I didn't put it on my main machine until, well, uh, earlier this week. So I've, mm-hmm. I've put Manjaro Cinnamon on it, having a good time. And then I said, well, you know, I got to get my gaming thing on. That's the only re- reason I kept windows around for anything beyond um you know just letting it annoy me um so Mm -hmm. i went ahead and um installed starfield and now new game triple a great it's running so well on uh linux it's like oh i'm happy now i don't have to use windows at all so fantastic I've Starfield is running really, really fast, really, really good, and every game I've now I'm using the Proton uh, experimental uh, from um, Steam, so yeah. it's it's running. You know, like I said, uh, they're just constantly adding support, and uh, I just found out another one of my um, games I like to play, which I haven't haven't messed with. Excuse me. Um, uh, is also runs so more and more games are not requiring Windows to run. You can run a lot of them on Linux. So I'm really really excited, and I've been running uh, Starfield. Uh, yes, I'm a geek, um, and it's <laughs> been absolutely flawless. I I think it actually loads and runs a little bit faster. I don't think there's the uh, overheads uh, quite there. The only drawback and it's not really even a drawback is i actually had to wait maybe five minutes why it rebuilt why it was building the vulcan shaders but i only had to do that once but i had to wait five minutes why it was building it and then after that it no problem so uh, i've heard from other gamers not from personal experience here but I've heard people saying they have to tweak the environment or they have to install a special kernel with low latency to be able to run games. Did you have to do any of that? No. <laughs> mm, even better. No, nothing. Install, click, run. 
I installed um, Steam because I buy my games on Steam because uh, I don't have I live in the middle of nowhere so I don't need physical copies and uh, I told I wanted to install uh, Starfield it uh-huh. uh, instantly um, downloaded the 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 Proton, the experimental Proton, and the, some run times, and then downloaded the game and, uh, st- you know, started it up, and it says uh, um, building Vulcan shaders, and waited for about five minutes, and then the game started, and it's been flawless ever since. Very nice. So to get Steam on your your machine, you go to the Steam Store and download Steam OS. Is that the way you do it? Uh, yeah, you would. Um, are you talking about if you're doing it from Linux? Yes. Okay. So Ubuntu, Manjaro, uh, KDE, any of those main distributions, go to the repository, type Steam, it'll pop up uh, Steam. Just install that from your repositories. Uh, once it's done, you'll start Steam. It will update with whatever updates have come since it was last, uh, you know, uh, put into repositories. And then you log. Once that's done, you log into your um, account. And if you've already bought the game, uh, you just go to your library and click it and say install and let it do the rest. Very nice. Yeah, it's not hard. I mean, it's like. The same process um, that uh, you would with Windows. Now, there's a few games that um, you have to tell it to force the compatibility, and that's as simple as right-clicking on the title and, and clicking the little box that says Enforce Compatibility. Mm-hmm. I've only had to do that once, but I figured, hey, if you have a game that it's not listed as it can run, you would just uh, see if that compatibility uh, check is done. Once it is, I've downloaded a game, and it runs just perfectly fine. It downloaded some runs. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. There's no, uh, hardly any way I can mess it up, but (laughs) it... uh, (laughs) But but let me make a suggestion before you do that. So before you download any games to your Linux using Steam or whatever, if this is a new install, or even if it's an old install, make sure that your system is completely up to date with all the drivers and security settings mm-hmm. uh, and security updates. Um, because... Uh, you'll if you have an NVIDIA card or AMD card or whatever, you're going to want to have the latest drivers so your experience will be the best it can be. Mm-hmm. So always make sure your machine's updated before you start installing games and stuff, just because a lot of times that will make things a lot smoother. Because I got um, a NVIDIA driver update when I did the updates, you know. So okay. Now that's that's uh, cool. Good. Um, so, which computer did you install this on? Is this on your gaming machine? Oh, my gaming machine. I have no Windows installed anymore. It's okay. all Linux. So this is, if I remember correctly, a Republic of Gamers. No, this is oh. a HP Pavilion gaming machine. Ah, okay. It has a. Hang on a minute. 
I tell you, I was just looking at it. It's not the newest one. Here it is, system information. So, uh, it is the Core i7. Uh, mm -hmm. 2.6 has uh, six uh, cores. Uh, Hyper-threaded has 12. Uh, I only have 15 in this right now memory. Uh, I have uh, a new... Um, what do you call uh, Western Digital Blue uh, SSD uh, MVME drive? Right. Okay. Um, the integrated graphics is it comes with Intel uh, Comet Lake HG2 T2. It's ultra high uh, D graphics. So I guess that's what it sounds for. And the graphics card, the discrete, the uh, discrete is an NVIDIA. Um, GeForce T, uh, GTX 1660 Ti mobile. So hmm. okay. nothing super, super, uh, powerful, but it does work well. Yeah. Sorry. Geeked out. Yeah, that's all right. But, uh, that'll give our folks listening an opportunity to see what kind of hardware you're running. And if they're running anything close to that, the likelihood that they'll be able to run Steam is pretty good. Yeah, it's the only thing I'm going to do now is I'm going to put another um, uh, 16 into it, but uh, 16 gigs of RAM. But other than that, I, I really haven't had any need for it right now. Um, I'm sitting right now, I have browser tabs open and I have... Uh, you know, Audacity and Discord and everything else, and I'm barely using four gigs of RAM on it, so it's you know pretty pretty darn uh, um, efficient. But yeah. Um, yeah, I've actually was able to run the game on on uh, high, and it just looks stunning, and no no um, no hesitation or anything. So I would say, yeah, they got it pretty nailed down. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Yeah, last time we were talking, your NVMe drive or your hard drive had crashed. And yes. you weren't able to recover it. So I'm assuming this is the new NVMe drive. Yes, it is. Okay. So, yeah, because I remember last time you were working on a machine that was a little bit limited. You were only able to open three tabs on your browser and it was struggling, but we got things recorded. Now, yes. it's a whole different story, right? A whole different story. Um, the uh, the drive that they H, uh, the HP used on this um, was, I'm going to say, not the highest quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still, uh, <laughs> still looking up. It's some no name. I was like, where did you get this thing? <laughs> so well. I was able to get a, a Western Digital Black, um, and for, I think it was, it was under a hundred dollars. No, it was under, it was under $60 for what okay. I wanted. And it has been, it, it's been so much faster. Even I remember when it was new, so I thought it was fast, but it is really, really fast now. So mm -hmm. I, I guess they just, you know, if you have problems with stuff like that, I guess you have to kind of say, yeah, they went with the lowest common denominator. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. That's why you should buy it from 
good uh, like System76 or Frameworks or someone like that. Uh, now, Dale's not bad, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that I'm still using the XPS 13 from Dell that I got a few years ago, and its components very name brand and high quality, and I got it with Linux installed. I think that's the one I got in, with Linux installed. So mm -hmm. I expected it to be able to run Linux no problem. And my convertible laptop, the Lenovo that I have, the um, Flex 5, I just replaced the NVMe, NVMe drive on that as well. Hey, thank you, uh, Black Friday sales. Uh, and uh, I noticed that the original drive on it was a Toshiba. Really? I had no problems with it. It was just a little bit small for my liking. So I, I bought a huge one that hopefully will last me forever. I don't have a backup drive as big as the, <laughs> as the NVMe drive. Uh, and I got it from Crucial, and I've uh, had no problem with it. Um, of course, it's only been, what, a few weeks, so uh, no problem. Uh, and if you stick with the brand name for these drives, you should be good, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I Like I said, I don't know... Um where they got this drive it doesn't even have a name on it, it I'm, I, I think it does I, it's under a sticker but it's like uh, no so once I put this new one in everything went went back just fine but that kind of leads me into something else uh, that okay. I wanted to talk about so I had to you know since the MVM MVME drive went bad I needed a way to get uh, all the operating systems back on it so I so one of our listeners I don't know who it was uh, but whoever it was thank you uh, I Ventoy mm -hmm. Ventoy is a tool that you must have so what Ventoy is is it takes a USB drive of thumb drive and makes it where you can boot multiple uh, operating systems off of it and it is very easy to um, to do it you don't have to worry about burning things and and making sure it's bootable no Ventoy handles all that so what you do is you go to Ventoy uh, this it's in the uh, show notes I think it's ventoy.net and I think you're going to want to go uh, it should de default, there's different languages but it should default to English for you mm -hmm. or whatever your native language is yeah Yeah. so um, it is an uh, open source but you'll download this image uh, I used Etcher you can use any um, uh, USB burner just to make that the USB um, bootable. Once you've done that, the hard part's over. So you'll boot into your machine like normal. Uh, then you'll go ahead and stick the drive in that because you're getting you're gonna have to load the images to your uh, stick that you're gonna want to keep and run and install. So of, of course I I put Ubuntu on there. I put Windows. I didn't think it would work, but it does. Um, I put Manjaro, um, um, Zorin uh, beta that they sent me to look at. Um, and regular Zorin. I mean, just, I, I just put like 10 
different ones. I put LXDE on it, uh, um, you know, XFCE, um, and also um, Ubuntu Mounte. Okay, so I just kind of loaded it up. Right. Well, to be clear, you and I have talked about this ahead of time. and Yeah. You're not installing those ISOs onto this thumb drive. You no. are just copying the ISO file to the thumb drive so that they're That's all it. there on the drive. Got yes. It. Until you realize that you don't have to do anything. You don't have to, you know, because trying to burn a, some of these, uh, like the windows can be a pain in the butt to get it to, mm -hmm. to, for the right image to let it boot. But Ventoy handles all of it. So once you've done that, you can use it as just a, um, you want to look at different distros, so you download them, load them, throw them onto the, just copy and paste them or drag them to the, the USB stick. Once you've done that, you can uh, just restart your machine, boot into your uh, Ventoy uh, stick, and it'll be a nice menu, and you just pick what you want it to load. And it handles everything else. And what's cool is if you just want to run something in live session to see if you like it or just whatever, it works fine that way too. You don't have to install. Right. So you can look at stuff and you say, well, not for me right now, but I'll just keep it there. Or I need to, um, I'm having issues with my Ubuntu Mate. Well, hang on a minute, Larry. I can log into Ubuntu Mate using that Ventoy stick and, you know, look at the same thing. So it's kind of... It's got, you can install from it. You can run live uh, images from it. It's it's really really nice. You know, yeah. That yeah. It's 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 definitely. I I can't tell you how was I would have looked at this earlier because <laughs> God, this is saved me so much work. Well, you know that's something that I've been meaning to try as well, and just haven't made the time to get it installed. It sounds really really easy. Oh, and yeah. from what we were talking about earlier, you can install to a hard drive, of course, oh, yeah. in your machine, but you can install to a virtual machine. You can install to, let's say you wanted it installed on an external hard drive, or even if you wanted to install and run from a thumb drive, uh, you could do that, I would imagine. Yeah, I'd, I haven't tried it um, from trying to install to a virtual machine, um, but... Uh, when we were going over, we were kind of talking about this before the meeting. Um, I was reading you, reading you all some of this. So I'm assuming that you you can easily, you know, just copy those images right over, which is would be nice if you're you know running containers or you need some mm -hmm. you need something set up really quick. Yeah, well, uh, something to try out then. So, sorry, that was my little tangent about Ventoy. Ventoy is really, really um, A+. I like it a lot. And uh, yeah. so, anyway, enough of me. This is supposed to be listener feedback. This has been Bill's feedback. Sorry. Well, you're a listener, too. So, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started with Phil's feedback, then. He commented on Pop! OS and Wayland. He said, hello, Larry and Bill. This is generic replaceable sub-minion Phil from Iowa. I love the show. Long email warning, but I hope my experience might be helpful to others. I had a laptop from Dell, the 7480, that was experiencing random lockups. 
From what I read, Del QC was spotty on these. I mistakenly blamed Pop OS for my issues and tried vanilla Ubuntu, Zorin OS, and the KDE Neon to fix my issues. All behaved in the same way. Then I tested my RAM, replaced the fan and heatsink, tested my SSD. These didn't fix my lockups. After banging my head on the keyboard over the course of a few months, I started shopping for keyboard. No, for motherboards. <laughs> <laughs> I was intrigued by the fact that the Latitude 7490 had so many interchangeable parts with the 7480, including the top and bottom case, some models of the screen, keyboard, and battery. The thought of jumping two Intel generations for no extra cost was too tempting for this tinkerer to resist. $50 on eBay is the going rate for either motherboard. So I bought a 7490 motherboard with good return policy and made the attempt. To my delight, everything was plug and play with a quick BIOS update. Everything that is except the touchscreen connector had changed between the two models. However, I still did feel like Dr. Frankenstein and I even did the laugh. Uh, I am thrilled that this worked for me because I couldn't find anyone who had ever tried this before. My Frankendell works perfectly and is rock solid. Now I have a good story to bore my grandkids with someday. Anyway, I hope I haven't bothered you or your audience. Never, Phil. Uh, with open source greetings to both of you, Phil. I also forgot to mention that switching from X11 to Wayland doubled or tripled my frame rates on some games. Codemaster's Grid turned from a slideshow into at least playable frame rate. I don't have solid numbers, but it seems to me that on my low-spec system, Wayland makes a huge difference. Phil. Well, thanks, Phil. Yeah, that is awesome, Phil. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. So interesting that Dell has two models, one generation higher than the other, that are almost identical. You said two generations. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, 7480 to 7490. Well, is that one generation or two? But two generations on the Intel processor for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good for you. That's pretty awesome. I, you know, it'd have been a perfect ten if you if that that touch uh, screen connector hadn't changed. Yeah, I don't know how your soldering skills are, or your micro soldering <laughs> skills are, but you might want to try changing the connector. Yeah, maybe, not. maybe, maybe not. not. You know, how often do you really use the touch screen at home? Okay. Yeah, so, that's true. I would suggest calling this one a win and keep on going. Yep. All right, so our next email comes from Biku, and he uh, suggested Linux and a virus. Hi there, Bill and Larry. In episode 443, Kendrick mused about antiviruses on Linux systems. My advice to Kendrick and others would be to avoid installing antivirus software on Linux as it will do more harm than good. Enable firewall and reject all incoming connections as a normal desktop user has no need and shouldn't allow any incoming stuff. You block origin extension on your browser. Use email client like uh, Thunderbird instead of webmail. And if you receive PDF and MS Office documents from other people, 
before opening these uh, documents, use an online service by Google called Total Virus to scan them. Do these things and enjoy your life in Linux. And then he gives a bunch of links. Biku. Yes, thank you, Biku. Um, just to be clear, you said Total Virus. It's actually Virus Total. But uh, oh, did I? It's the, yeah, that's fine. It'll be correct in the links. And <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, I agree. There's not much reason to install antivirus software on Linux, especially if the only people you share files with are other people with Linux. <laughs> but if you're sharing, like you said, PDFs or Microsoft Office documents, um, there, there might be a reason to install antivirus software, but that's going to, any of the commercial antiviruses is going to bloat up your system with all kinds of stuff you don't need and maybe even slow things down. I've seen it slow down my computers when I've tried to do that. And that virus total, I haven't tried that, but maybe that's something I'll try on the next PDF or MS Office doc that I get. So what about ClamAV? Yeah. Well, ClamABV would be the classic antivirus for Linux that you could install, and it's not a commercial antivirus, it's an open source antivirus. It'll do the basic checking for the most common infections that you can get, Yeah. but most of them will be Windows viruses because that's what's mostly out there. There are a few more Mac viruses than were out there before. And there are a few viruses that will infect Linux as well. But if you keep your Linux distribution up to date with the latest security updates, you, you should be covered there without any additional antivirus. But just on, the, on those files that you get, that's where you really want to check them. And that's where that virus total may come in. Yeah, that's it. I also don't think um, I've run ClamAV, and I don't think if you have that installed, it's going to be that much of a hit on your system performance, unless you're super. I mean, I don't think it's going to do more harm than good, but then that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. I think from my experience, and it's been a while since I tried it, ClamAV, so things may have changed, but my experience with it is it seems to be more designed for Linux servers than it is for the desktop. So I'm not sure how much utility you'd get out of it anyway, but yeah, if you just want the belt and suspenders approach, ClamAV is the way to go on Linux. Yeah, I mean, it's the price is right and, uh, you know, <laughs> just get it from your repo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That price being zero. <laughs> All right, moving on. George from Tulsa responded to several of our listeners' feedback, so we'll split this up then. Uh, guys, apologies for going on so long here. Hope this is useful and not just pedantry. Pedantry? I'm not sure how you would emphasize that. Anyway, uh, for Liz, yeah. For Liz, I too am frustrated by the large amount of foreign language support that is part of a stock Ubuntu-based Linux install. For the record, I can read French and some simple Spanish. I'm not against foreigners or their languages. Vive la différence. Uh, Ubuntu and Ubuntu-based distributions include many fonts most users, wherever they're located, may never need. Liz gave an example of how that gets in a user's way in her complaint about the difficulty of using the character map application. 
That should be fixable. Here's a link on how to do that. And there's a link for remove most Asian fonts. And the text for that says, if you're not a user of Asian fonts, you might remove a couple of those. That should free up several hundred megabytes of disk space. But more importantly, the font selection box in LibreOffice will become much less cluttered. Liz also complained about the newest edition of Android. I think I understand her complaint. I have one of Google's phones, a Pixel 6 Pro. It recently updated to Android 14 and started warning that many of my favorite apps were developed for old versions of Android. The Dog Catcher podcast app I've used for years crashed so frequently, I decided it had become useless. Sadly, it hasn't been updated since 2018, and I've concluded it's abandonware. When looking for a new podcast app, I learned some of the top-rated ones either embedded their own ads or require paid subscriptions. I settled on AntennaPod, mentioned by Bill, because it is free and open source. I downloaded mine from F-Droid instead of Google Play. Even more ominous, in researching what to do about warnings, the apps I launch are out of date. I learned that for old stated security reasons, Google is blocking installs of old apps on Android 14. I'm able to run some of my favorites only because they were on my phone when Android 14 arrived. Were I to buy a new phone, I wouldn't be able to install them. So here's a link to an article about that including a geeky workaround for those willing to try. And we'll have a link to the previous links and this one on how to install old apps on Android 14. Okay. On to you, Bill. Okay, let me scroll here. So, uh, George continued. Uh, he said, Jack asked if he should change what I think are internal N NTFS drives encrypted by BitLocker when he gives up Windows for Linux. Clearly, he needs to remove the BitLocker from those drives if he is giving up Windows. And after he does that, he needs to copy what's on them to another backup before doing anything to his drives. Though, if there are they're old spinning drives, he might be better off shelving them as backups and starting fresh with new SSDs. I note silicon power 2 terabyte SATA drives as low as $71 on Amazon and 4 terabytes for $150. As to encrypting for Linux, I was recently working with a friend who whose hoarder cousin bequeathed him a set of Windows laptops that range from Windows 8 to Windows 11, all password protected. When researching how to crack these Windows logins, I found many sites offering instructions on how to crack VeraCrypt passwords using brute force. Then there's just as many telling how to crack Lux encrypted EXT4 disks. Uh, the longer and more arcane the password, the less likely anyone will devote the effort to brute force it. I prefer encrypting my secondary, internal, and carry-around drives by for formatting them EXT4 with Lux uh, encryption and using a painfully long but still memorable password. <laughs> 
the advantage is that they can be mounted on any Linux system without first installing, then keeping uh, Veracrypt updated. It's of course extremely important to save such passwords in a password manager that's not only stored only inside the encrypted disk. Easy to do with built-in tools. Here's the screenshot from the Linux Mint disk program. My cursor arrow is right on top of the box to click password protected volume lux. Isn't the advantage of Veracrypt that it can be mounted on Windows and Mac as well as Linux? Formatting the the carry round disk with XFAT would make it work best and and most easily. Hmm. Yeah, Veracrypt is certainly something the encryption software you can install on Linux and Windows and Mac, but I don't know about reading across the file formats. I would expect so, but I haven't tried it. You know, you know Linux can read XFAT. Well, sure, but the question is if you've taken a file in, or you've got a hard drive that is uh -huh. an XFAT hard drive, and you've encrypted the file, using VeraCrypt on that drive, could you look at the drive, use VeraCrypt from Linux, and read the files on that drive? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, George, you, uh, you, you, you pose another puzzle for us to ponder. Uh, but George continues, and this time he's addressing you, Bill. Bill! And <laughs> six exclamation marks. Scary, dude. You're talking again about distro hopping. How about trying them online rather than risking mangling your computer? Test drive 50 Linux distros online. That should keep you entertained. Distroc.com is the link that we'll be providing in the, in the show notes. Distroc is an ongoing effort to replace the now discontinued distro distro task that worked well enough to dissuade me from testing several distros on my own hardware. Cheers. Huh. Huh. Okay. I've heard of distro hold, C. Hold on. I have. George, I tried it and it wasn't for me. Too slow. Uh, uh, and I had, and I had to wait for sometimes because uh, there was people in front of me, but it was cool. It's a very cool idea. Uh, I'm sure it'll get better, but I don't need DistroC now because I have Ventoy and a big old thumb drive. I just download them, throw them on there, and try it that way. Well, that certainly sounds like a ringing endorsement for uh, something other than what, <laughs> what, what he's suggesting, but thanks, George. No, no, seriously, George, that was a really good um, uh, site. It, it ha it's it just, I like to be able to run stuff on the computer, mm -hmm. actual hardware, because, you know, you can't get a full sense of how everything's going to run unless it's on native or, or you know, base hardware. Uh, it's a it's a good idea that DistroC is good to see what it looks like and stuff, um, but yeah, uh, I appreciate it. I definitely have to put that in my uh, 
uh, bookmarks because you know but every time I go I always having to wait or it's a little uh, clunky I know it's a work in progress so but anyway I'll shut up now <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's cool and uh, to be transparent I had tried distro C okay uh, uh, after George had suggested it and I found the same thing that because it's online and because it's shared amongst users you oftentimes have to wait for a, a virtual server to become available for you to try it out. So if you want to try it out yourself and you don't want to have to wait, you want something that you can just have on your own hardware, I'm thinking that your suggestion, Bill, for Ventoy is probably the best we've seen so far. Yeah, I like I said, Ventoy is is uh, a real game changer because it's for me anyway because I test so many things now I don't have to you know wipe or whatever I don't have to find another um, uh, USB uh, drive um, so yeah I just think it's it's a great tool and it really opens up you know if you have someone that especially it's that you're trying to convince to look into Linux you can use a Ventoy stick to show them several different types, you know, from Linux Mint, Ubuntu, Ubuntu Mate, uh, you know, anything, any of those, you know, Manjaro, Fedora, you could have them all right there. And um, you could kind of show them what they can look for. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I'll, I'm definitely a Ventoy um, fanboy right now, so don't mind me. Yeah, yeah, we'll expect more to come from from your experiences with Ventoy. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got me convinced to try it. So uh, I think that's the end of our feedback for this time around. And our next episode, if we're up for it, will be a year-end review, as, as is our tradition for what we do here on the Going Linux podcast. What do you think, Bill? I think that uh, is a great idea. Uh, actually, I've already started working on it, but yeah, I it was am, your idea, yeah, yeah. So, but I do want to um, uh, just ask anybody that has anything that they would like to bring up that's happened, whether it's been a positive, negative, um, any kind of experiences that you would like, you know, wins, losses, because uh, it, yeah, we can do a year in review, but. We want to do a year in view of our all our listeners too. So if you've had mm -hmm. any successes or or anything like that, please send it to us so we can include it in the show. And if you don't remember what went on this past year and you submitted something that you'd like to review and give us an update on, you can go to our show notes page at goinglinux.com slash show notes and or shownotes.goinglinux.com, take your pick. And you will be taken to our show notes page and you can search for your name and see what you submitted in the past year. And I have found the first person who recommended Ventoy to us was Rosica, who had recommended it on our March 24th episode number 405. And what year was that? It doesn't tell me the year. So it should be this year. Yeah, it should be. No, it's not. 
Let's what? see, 405 was earlier than this year. Let's go back. Uh, let's see, 405, no, two, three years ago. That's it was funny. not that old. Yeah, hang on, hang on. I'm going to find it yet. <laughs> uh, yes, 405 was March 24th, 2021. No. Yes, it may take me two years to, f to finally get around <laughs> looking at it. <laughs> there you go. Who was it, who was it again? Uh, Rosica. Rosica? Oh, I'm so sorry. You sent such a great one. I name you Super Honorary 2021-22-23 Minion of the Year for... <laughs> three years in a row. <laughs> three years in a row, because I am such a slacker. Thank you for sending that in. Yes, thank you very much. So, uh, if you want to... Uh, review the show notes. <laughs> there they are on our show notes page. And in the meantime, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe to our podcast. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.